1: Good afternoon, Buckeye Nation, or good evening, by the time you're listening to this. Uh, welcome to Rand Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap Podcast. I am your host, uh, Jordan Williams, and I am ready to be heard again. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on the Buckeyes, especially the defense, after this game. Uh, I'm with my co-host, as always, Christopher Rennie. Um, Chris, how are you doing to start? Um, and then might as well just get into it. What are your first thoughts on this game?
0: But, yeah, I'd say my initial thoughts are this was like the first football game that I went into and I was relaxed from start to finish because I knew Ohio State's offense was going to tear apart Maryland's defense, and they did just that. I think Stroud got even better going from week to week. It's just some of those throws he had, especially in the second quarter, were just sensational. Uh, Defensively, though, I think... I was got a little off guard. I know you you set the bar at 17 points. Uh, the defense did their job. And I, I thought more in that 24, 25-point range. Uh, but I thought the defense, they, they this was, once again, their most impressive performance. Because we, we know they were coming off a tough game against Iowa last week. But, you know, no one's considering Ohio State's defense to be as good as Iowa's. And Ohio State gave up 17 points to a team that scored 10 on Iowa. So... Like we always joke about transitive property, the defense is good. We saw a pass yeah, rush. No, we saw a pass rush. It was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and it's like, and we we kind of talked about it before, right? We were like, this is going to be. First of all, I just want to say, if you're listening to this but you don't listen to Buck Off, uh, you really should listen to Buck Off. Uh, it, it's like the. You get us on Friday and Saturday. We, we get to say our predictions, and then we get to see if they're right. So if we're very wrong, uh, you can laugh at us. But one of the things that we had said on Buck Off is we wanted to see uh, something from the defense. And I, like you said, I had said 17 points, but I didn't really believe it, right? I, I didn't think that they were going to keep them to the 17 points. My point was I want to challenge the defense, and I want to challenge them to keep them under 17 points, uh, 17 or under, because – that's going to be the sign of a good defense. Um, If you would have asked, and I think just because I wanted to challenge it, I picked 17 points. I actually think, I don't know if you remember, but I I actually think my score was 59 to 17, which is actually what the score was. And then you were like, no, it's going to be 60 because the defense is going to score. And you said, I think you said defense are special teams, and that's exactly what happened. So Yeah, I think um, my
0: final one was 62 to 20. And, I mean, we were both right on the money there. Like, I don't think yeah. you can get much yep. closer in the
1: looks no. of it. Yeah, and so I, w- I would have been happy with 20 because I thought the defense was going to give up 17, and then there's going to be a garbage time touchdown or field goal, and it was the opposite. The defense only gave up 10 points. They had one really good drive. They Well, they had two really good drives. One, they scored. The other one, we got to stop on fourth down, which was major. Uh, some pressure sacks, different stuff like that to, to end that momentum, and then there was just the, – I mean, you can't be mad at one big play a game. game. No. I mean, there's been multiple multiple games where it's like, yeah, the score would be better. Just like last week. Last week it was 57 yards. This week it was 43. And it's really just like, hey, those guys are on scholarship too. Those guys are getting paid too. They're going to make a play. Rakeem Jarrett's a five-star that was wanted by everybody in the nation. We talked about that on Friday. That's one of Loxley's things, keeping people – from DC in Maryland at the University of Maryland. He did it with Raheem Jarrett. He did absolutely nothing the entire game. So, hey, he made one play. I'm not going to be mad at it. I mean, just to pull it up, actually, okay, I want to ask you if you know this. Guess Raheem Jarrett's stats for the game.
0: Was it one catch for 41 yards and a touchdown? I don't think I saw him with another catch, honestly.
1: You are 100% right. That's and insane. 60 minutes, and 60 minutes, they're, I mean, is he the best wide receiver or is it Dante Demas Jr.?
0: Uh, they, they're kind of different. Uh, Dante Demas Jr. is kind of a big, like, possession receiver type, so he gets more targets. But Raheem's definitely been their more big play type receiver.
1: Either way, their best or second best wide receiver was held to one catch for 43 yards and a touchdown. He had four targets. For him to only have four targets, that means he also wasn't open because they weren't throwing him the ball. And you think, you know, Dante Demas Jr. is out. Rakeem Jarrett is going to get 10 catches, right? Like, not 10 catches, like 10 targets. He's going to be the focus. And the coverage on him was so good, he made one play. He's a five-star. Again, everyone in the country wanted him. You can't be mad at that especially when the final score is 17 points. Like, you can never be mad at 17 points. It's a freaking blowout. Um, So before we get too far, because we always forget to do this, we're like 30 minutes in before we tell the final score. For anyone who didn't watch the game, uh, it was Ohio State 66, um, Rutgers, Maryland, not Rutgers. Maryland might well 17. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, might, might as well have been. Uh, final score was 66 to 17, Ohio State. Um, so just to Just to get this out of the way, as I like to do, let's uh, if you remember, I mean, it was a great game, but at halftime, Stroud was 17 for 22, 293 yards, three touchdowns, had 77 percent completion percentage. But there was absolutely no rushing offense Um, as a team. I didn't even put a player as a team They were fourteen rushes for forty-six yards, two touchdowns. I think Henderson was nine carries for seventeen yards and a touchdown, something like that. Um, Chris Olave was good, six for ninety in the first half with the touchdown. What were your thoughts or or your feelings if you remember at halftime? I mean, the game was pretty much out of hand, so I'm sure you were happy. But uh, just what was halftime looking like to you?
0: Yeah. So I mean, I like I said at the start of the show, I was relaxed the majority of this game and. You know, Travion Henderson had kind of been the key to getting the offensive going throughout the first few games, especially the last few weeks. And this game, you know, it ended up being put on Stroud's shoulders early because they said, we're going to fill up the box. We're going to make Stroud beat our zone. And Stroud was patient. He was accurate. He has everything you needed to be. And the offense just was clinical once again, where they were just – Anytime there was a big play to be had, they were making it. Anytime they needed to get a third down, they got it. Uh, There was one play specifically, I think it was like third and 13. The Ohio State was driving, and they got hit with a false start after another bad mistake. And then they threw the ball to Jackson Smith and Jigba, and he he caught it at eight yards. He got the first down. Those are the types of little plays that you weren't really seeing earlier in the year, and you're starting to see them now. And I I had to give a lot of credit to Maryland for what they were able to do stopping the run. I thought, you know, Ohio State's offensive line didn't come out aggressively, and there was a point in the game where I saw them blocking for Master Teague, and I'm like, holy crap, these holes you could drive a truck through. And I'm like, hopefully Teague is hitting them. And then he started to a little bit, and I'm like, if they get these gaps and holes open for Henderson, this is over. Yeah. The run game got going. You know, everyone sort of got theirs in the run game. Uh, Crowley got a touchdown taken away which was tough that was in the second half but the first half I mean uh, a lot of us were like yeah let's it's time give Stroud a drive to start the second half and I think you know when you could do that against a divisional opponent that's ideal
1: yeah I, I agree and I think Ryan Day was making a statement maybe it was a personal statement against Maryland because you know Rumors are people think Maryland dimed out Chase Young. Maybe it was just a personal statement to the Big Ten like, hey, like we're here, we're getting late. Uh, maybe it was because of the bye week. Who knows what it was? But the offense got three drives in the second half, scored on all three of them. Um, you know, last week they only got two drives in the second half. Um, they played essentially just the way it was going. They played essentially the full third quarter when they could have pulled them, but. Again, whether it was because it was Maryland, whether it was a statement to the Big Ten, whether it was just because it's the bye week, you want to get a couple extra snaps. I mean, they really imposed their will. Um, it was—it's ridiculous, you know. At one point, Ohio State had thirty-five draw thirty-five snaps, thirty-five points. I uh, shout out to Bill Landis for that. At another point, Ohio State had fifty snaps, forty-nine points. Um, they were literally a point per snap for the majority of the game um and then you know the biggest stat of them all they threw a complete game i mean the the starters eight drives eight 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 touchdowns not not eight scoring drives eight, eight touchdowns, touchdowns yeah. the the only drive they didn't score on which doesn't count is the one where they nailed it to go into half
0: yeah i mean the offense i i really like like we talked about efficiency last week against rutgers like I just never felt like Maryland even really slowed them down in any way at all. So I think this was like the most efficient offensive performance I've seen since the last time Ohio State played Maryland two years ago. And like you, yeah, where they
1: put up seventy,
0: yeah, and you could see it with how like open receivers were running. Like even when receivers weren't open, C.J. Stroud was delivering. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a half of C.J. Stroud's incompletions, again, were drops or pass breakups. So it's like yeah, every single throw he's made except the one that he missed a on has been extremely catchable. And I, I, the quarterback play has been insane. And, you know, it's all going to come together. It all came together the last two weeks. And we're seeing a dominant offense that should scare everybody in the country.
1: Yeah, I mean they're easily. I think we talked about it in the very beginning before the season that they should be the best offense in the country. Maybe we didn't, but they are. One thing I want to get back to because I, I forgot to mention it is you made a great point, right? Uh, for most of the game, for most of the games that they won, Travion Henderson was the catalyst, and I think it's very important to note and and to mention, especially for all the people who are anti CJ. And I, I either tweeted it or I put it in our group chat. CJ didn't throw high. No, I put it in the group chat. People were like, 17 play drive for Ohio State. I don't know what I'm watching. And I was like, I don't know about 17 plays, but all I know is CJ didn't throw high once. Didn't
0: miss a throw on in the that first drive.
1: One, yeah. He didn't miss a throw. He didn't throw high once. Everything was there. And I think that's something else you want to see because, which is what eventually people were going to key on and Travion Henderson. And that is what Maryland did. And CJ showed them that, hey, like, I am a good quarterback. You know, it's, um you have to, You have to decide who you want to stop, right? And logically, it makes sense. Like, like if you look at it at the wide receivers, it's like you're choosing to let them pass the ball on you. That's dumb. But logically, it makes sense to stop uh, Travion Henderson because he was the best player on the team for three straight weeks. So you think – and Stroud had a couple of bad games. So I I get the logic of saying Stroud has to beat us. We're going to stop the run. We're going to make them throw. And – they wanted Stroud to beat him, and he did. This was CJ Stroud's game. Uh, Travion Henderson somehow miraculously, after going nine carries for seventeen yards, came out with a hundred yards. But this was not a good Travion Henderson game. I think a part of it was on Ryan Day, and we can get to that because uh, it's one of my notes. I don't think he was creative in the run game, but CJ Stroud was perfect, and and I don't I don't think you can use that often. But he had one bad throw, and honestly, it wasn't. Even I would have to watch. Throw. Yeah, I, well, the over th- it was an overthrow. Yeah, but I mean, I, well, it's... well, it was a it wasn't a bad throw because it was still semi catchable. So you're right, it wasn't that bad. The and the one thing I can say about that, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for people, but I'm that was his last read. Like a lot of times, the post is the first read. I'm pretty sure that was his last read. I think he got to it late, and CJ and, and Alave was so deep down the field, he tried to put it on him instead of letting him run, run letting him run under it, which makes sense because. Where they were on the field, if you let him run under it, you might throw it out the end zone, or he might not be able to get a foot down. And he, he just he just put a tad bit too much on it. Yeah. If he would have seen it a little bit earlier, or if it was on the first read, he would have seen it before the break, tossed it up, a lot of it would have run under it. But that happens. You know what I mean? It's its, it's football. You're not going to throw everything perfect. Nobody does that. So. Yeah.
0: And, hey, I mean, he pretty much did, and that's the craziest part. And, you know, no one's ever going to be like, yeah, Maryland's defense is great, and – You know, it's, once again, we're, like, looking at this from the point that we didn't see this three, four weeks ago. Like, we did see some of the stuff they did today last week, and I think you brought up an interesting point with, like, the not getting creative in the run game, but, I mean, he never starts off creative in the run game. It's a lot of setting stuff up, and then in the second half, I don't know if it was just more Ohio State had beat them down to the point where the run game finally opened up or if they were so worried about the pass, but that's exactly what a good offense does. It is able to beat you uh, in a multitude of ways. And yeah, I think we'd both like to see a little bit more creativity from Ryan day in the run game early. But when you have a back like Henderson, you really can just kind of rely on the basic schemes. But I, I think at the end of the day, we just kind of saw a complete offensive performance and we saw Ryan day, once again, kind of switch it this week going from using the pass to set up the run because once the passing started going the run game started and I just kind of think you were on to something with the uh, kind of basic running game at the beginning but in the second half I mean they just kind of just ran through them with every single run scheme they could use
1: yeah yeah and and that's the thing like I mean when they win and they win so big it's really just nitpicking but it was just weird because, like, you know, there are two things that I really like about football. Personally, like my favorite things, it's good running backs and it's good linebackers because those are the positions that I played. So that's what I know the most about. And it was just weird that they were just trying to run up the middle, especially because we had both talked about it. I think you had mentioned it in your film review and bill landis had mentioned it in his film review that ohio that you know ohio state was using more gap schemes we were seeing a lot more power they were running that little um i I think it's an outside zone but they run it from but they they run it from the pistol so it it like like right off tackle, which I, that that's Travion Henderson's best run. He always gets yards off of that. So it was just weird not seeing it in well, the beginning. And then um, we, it was really a lot of insight. We saw zone. the
0: success of those run teams with Teague immediately. And we're like, well, if we're doing those with Travion, those have been touchdowns.
1: Exactly. Like, I think I, I, think I tweeted it. I was like, Teague got eight yards, which means Henderson would have gotten 15 yards at least on that play. So, it, it, but again, it's nitpicking, right? It worked. Um, they didn't need the run. They scored five touchdowns in the first quarter, uh, in the first half. Uh, CJ Stroud was doing everything he was supposed to be. And honestly, I think probably just to give some credit where it's where due, I think if the passing game wasn't working, they do focus more on the run game um so it's nitpicking right there's really no reason to really talk about it for a long time because they did get it figured out uh trevion henderson as far as stats for anyone who cares about his potential to break any records any of that kind of stuff got a hundred yard game first time i think in two games because just because he was taken out early last week he ended up with 80 so he got back a hundred yard game three touchdowns two running touchdowns and a passing touchdown so he had a great game 67
0: Um, receiving yards too
1: yeah yeah so so where do you want to go from here do you want to stick on the offense because there's definitely some more to talk about or or do you want to you want to go I think
0: I think uh you know offensively we've hit on pretty much the main points from this game uh but I think defensively I want to say this uh this was the most complete performance from all three levels of the defense the defensive line the linebackers and the defensive backs it felt like you know, we had been missing one group in every single game this year. Uh, most of the time, I think it was like half the time it was the linebackers, half the time it was the pass rush. And then the DBs kind of get hurt by that. But this game, it felt like we were getting a pass rush. The defensive line was playing really well in the run game. The linebackers were filling and playing their gap responsibilities real well. And the defensive backs didn't give up any big plays. So, like, it was just a really good performance. We saw some names flash. I think this was Steel Chambers' is coming out party. Honestly, I think he looked the most like you want a linebacker to look in this scheme. Uh, your guy Tommy had a few big plays. And I was kind of shocked. You were me. so shocked at one of them. You're like, <laughs> I thought I thought his number was different. Uh, <laughs> and it was a huge it was a huge tackle for loss. And I, I just think the defense is really kind of starting to find its identity.
1: No, I, I agree. Um, the last thing I have to say on the offense is I'm just very upset that we didn't get 18 yards for Garrett Wilson. I wanted three wide receivers yeah, with 100 yards. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, you're 100% right on the defense. First of all, like, I feel like, you know, I I feel like each season mm-hmm. I champion certain causes, right? Like, and, and the cause that I'm currently championing, like in the NFL all last season I was I was on Jameis. I was championing Jameis that he should have been a starting quarterback and. People are disrespecting him. And, and this year, I'm championing uh, champion, um, Steel Chambers, Ch- chambers. mainly because I just find it really annoying that people have seemingly forgot that he was recruited with the potential yeah. to play linebacker. And so a lot of people are trying to use, either disrespect him or use him to disrespect the linebacker room by saying, oh, we have a converted running back who's our best linebacker. Everyone sucks. No, he's just really good. He ev- Anyone who had any like any idea of anything, knew he was going to play linebacker. I think the coaching staff knew he was going to play linebacker. You just have to remember that when he when he got recruited, it was when we either had a year with no running backs or it was just like a really low recruited one because we put out everything for B. John Robinson and didn't get him. So that's when we got Steel Chambers and... Maybe Mayan Williams in the same class or another running. maybe it was Marcus yeah, Crowley, chambers and Crowley but they, right neither too? one of them yeah, it was it was chambers and Crowley, but neither one of them were rated so highly, which is why we took two really high running backs and um Evan Pryor and Travion Henderson um but they needed him to play running back because there was no running yeah, back yeah no depth, depth. depth and they didn't know what anyone's but and everyone knew there was a chance he was going to be linebacker. so I oh, agree hundred yeah. percent that I think this was, this was his coming out party, but it's just like Hey, like, he's not a converted running back. He's a linebacker who was playing running back, and now he's at his his position. Again, he's 6'5". He's 6'1". I don't know where the 5 came from. He's 6'1", like 225, which means by the time he's done playing here, he's probably going to get to 230. 6'1", 225 is not good running back size. The That's cool. super tall for a running back. That's perfect size for today's linebacker. So yes, he may be the best linebacker on the team, but it's because he should have been linebacker from day one. And I bet I I would bet my next paycheck that if we would have gotten Bijan Robinson, Steel Chambers would have never seen a running back room. Yeah. If Bijan Robinson would have been recruited, Steel Chambers they still would have, would have recruited him, but he would have been a linebacker from jump. Oh, for sure. So I'm very happy. I'm very happy that he had a good game. I mean, we talked about it. There was a play that I just don't think anyone else in this room can make. He read it, you know, he read it uh there was a really good block like dude was right where he was supposed to be. He defeated the block um and and shoestring tackled the running back and it was in it ended up being like a three yard game instead of like fifteen because there was space like if steel Chambers wasn't there and honestly i hate I hate to to talk bad on someone when. There was such a good win, but it could have been a touchdown because are we sure that Brian Shaw would have would have you know taken the right angle if if uh, Steel Chambers wouldn't have made yeah, that no, tackle? It was, so
0: it was very much a play that is going to go super under recognized because it just kind of ended up being just a tackle for a three yard gain. But like those are the types of plays that we weren't making weeks ago. Exactly. So I, I think Steel Chambers and like when you look back on it, like the linebacker room was like full when steel chambers got here so it makes sense that he'd kind of go into a room with less depth you know the future is a little bit more uncertain and guess what happened the linebacker room lost a lot of depth he wasn't really seeing the playing time he was getting at running he wanted it running back and now we've got a really good linebacker for it and you know to the people who are like discrediting the linebacker room i mean there's like like steel chambers could potentially if he was at like a small school be a two-way player or similar like a miles jack type that's the type of athlete he is
1: Yeah, definitely. And the thing about him, he's young, too. So he could have a really good year this year, really good year next year, and leave. I'm not sure if that'll happen. We could have him for three more years, two and a half if you include this season. Steel Chambers has a chance to be our highest-rated, our highest-drafted linebacker in a very long time. And I'm not just jumping on the bandwagon, although you could maybe say that because, like, how do I know that? Because there's not so many things. But you can tell. Young players flash. They always flash. Steel Chambers was always supposed to be a running back and a as, as linebacker. And as soon as he got into the game, his very first game, didn't know the defense, barely knew the technique, he flashed. He has that it factor. And I'm confident in saying that if this was the second quarter and he was still in the game, Rakeem Jarrett wouldn't have scored on that because he's been making yeah. those plays like. He wasn't always making the consistent plays because it takes a while to change the positions. But he has since day one has been making those plays on the edge, especially when you don't have a safety in the way, like running you over, like what was happening against Oregon. And so I think I think it was a really good game. It was really encouraging. And all I ask that if anyone who listens to this, please stop you know, doing the converted running back thing with Steel Chambers, recognize that he was always a linebacker. And he, unless CJ Hicks comes in and is just the greatest thing we've seen, which is very possible, Steel Chambers will probably be our best running back this year and our best running back next year until CJ Hicks takes over in 2024, if uh, Steel Chambers is even here still, because he might go to the league next year, because I think he'll be draft eligible next season. Yeah,
0: and I think, you know, I think the linebacker room, this is their best game because we, we've talked about it. a lot of their issues came in space, in pass coverage. And this this game, it felt like those issues were limited. And there was actually a lot of really good yeah. plays by Taraja Mitchell, Tommy Eichenberg again. Like yep. the, like guys who haven't there been was, making those types of plays. Like Mitchell's been really awesome in the run game. But in the pass game in space, he's still kind of been a little – he's struggled a little bit. So now we're starting to see Mm -hmm. these linebackers playing fast. They're playing more read-and-react football. And it all comes back to starting to use schemes that fit the personnel that they have. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you can get complex. You could make 100,000 checks. It doesn't matter if the players don't play the scheme correctly. And now there's a lot of two-man under. There's a lot of that type of stuff. And that just helps linebackers in a lot of ways. Pass coverage, run coverage. Like, they – just get a play of football now and that is huge like I know you played linebacker when you could just play football and line up and go that's usually when it's the easiest right
1: oh yeah hundred percent especially because linebacker has so many things like you know when you break down when you break down what a player is supposed to do linebacker has some of the most responsibilities because they have to defend the run they have to defend the pass they have to know what everyone else is doing especially when you get complex because if you run like just you know to talk high level football for a second if you have a blitz right? Whether it includes the linebackers or not, if you have a blitz, the linebacker who's not blitzing has to know where he's going because he's not in his traditional gap. If you have a stunt with the defensive lineman, linebacker has to know where he's supposed to fit because it may be different. One play he may be supposed to fit in the A gap, next play it's the C gap, next play it's the B gap. He has to be able to read the line. He has to know where his drop is. One day it's going to be, you know, curl flat. Next time it's going to be curl. Next time it's going to be flat. Like there's so many different things and First of all, it depends on the very beginning. It depends on the call. Then it depends on what the D-line's doing. And then ultimately, it depends on what the offense is doing. So when you take some of that responsibility away from them, and and you not responsibility, but you take some of that thinking, you take away some of the checks, and you take away trying to be perfect on defense, which is where a lot of defenses fail. They want to have an answer for everything offenses can be complex when a defense gets complex it's easy to lose things um i'm watching this iowa game now i don't know if you have it on they just got another interception unfortunately and then penn state got the ball back with the interception but iowa has one of the best defenses in the country and they also probably have one of the it's it's easily one of the easiest schemes in the country they just play zone and they and they teach their players
0: two man under and that's all they do and they just play football
1: and they teach them, and they teach them how to how to get to the ball, how to get to the ball, how to how to get interceptions. And so defense doesn't have to be complex. And I think Ohio State was kind of, you know, you can outsmart yourself, and it's easy to do that, especially when you have an offensive-minded head sure. coach because offense is so complex. You want all these little things, and mo- like you want to confuse people. You don't need to confuse people on defense. The only confusion you really need to do is after the snap but like the defense itself cover two is not a confusing coverage you can you confuse a team by lining up in cover three and then playing cover two you don't confuse a team by having a million checks and all this other kind of stuff because all you're confusing is your players and they're gonna let big plays so I mean, and you can tell that it's easier because linebackers, which we've talked about, are making plays in the backfield. And that's what's different. Like the Tommy I can break play, that was in the backfield. Uh, Traja Mitchell had a great run stopping the backfield. Like it's not just stopping him at the line of scrimmage. It's not just stopping them one or two yards. To stop someone in the backfield, you have to see it, know it immediately, and just play football. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing. And the linebackers were there. They looked good. And I want to get into it. I want your thoughts. Pass rush. How how did you feel about the pass rush? This is
0: honestly the first time where I felt like, hey, the pass rush is here. Like, I I know we've given Zach Harrison and we've had, I wouldn't say gripes with him, but we've just expected more from him. I think this game, like, he was absolutely making his tackle work. And he drew some holding penalties. He got to the quarterback a few times. Uh, He definitely had a few pressures. I don't know if he got home on a sack or if it would be more considered a TFL because it could have been a designed run. But he did make some plays in the backfield and with a quarterback. You know, Jack Sawyer, I I think he might – he's the best pure pass rusher on the team. I don't think there's an argument there. In a passing situation where he gets to go one-on-one against a tackle, he has either drawn a flag, uh, got needed alive, or forced a fumble or had a sack. So, like – it, it, it's it's been it's been awesome and you know we said this on buck off we said this in the last two to three weeks like if the defensive ends can start complimenting the defensive tackles more this defensive line is going to be absolutely scary and we've seen maryland like ta- talia is not an easy guy to get in the backfield like he's not no he's not at elusive all. he escapes he can throw on the move well he's very quick at making decisions
1: and yep, they do a lot of quick game stuff yeah. with him, and you like Justin Fields is not a quick game quarterback. He's not. He's a he's a great quarterback. He's, not a quick game he's game. one of his struggles is quick game. Tua is really good at. It. He's very good at seeing it, throwing it. He's very not, no he's no a thinking. And the ball placement is really good. So. And that's what you saw, like on those couple of drives. Like someone tweeted at me, and they're like, "The defense is making it easy for him." Because I, I, I tweeted something along the lines of, Tolu is a really good quarterback, and he's not having a bad game, even though they're losing." And someone tweeted at me, and they was like, "No, nah, we're making it easy for him." And I'm like, "We're not." I'm like, "For the first time in forever, there's a pass rush. The linebackers are playing good. We finally figured out the DB rotation. He's just a good quarterback. They went to that quick game. He's hitting every single pass. He's escaping some sacks. Like." the deep like those drives the offense aren't it's it's legitimately that i say this all the time but it's legitimately they're on scholarship too it wasn't that we handed anything to him he's just yeah. good and so um and they maryland did some things with the quick game to stop the pass rush but even still exactly like and then said, they were the getting pass hands up and there.
0: stuff and they were making a big difference yep. in passing lanes so like I think when you look at the defensive line, this is a very promising performance. I think you saw them start a little bit in the second half of that Rutgers game, but now it seems like that's something that I don't want to say you could trust, but you can rely to be there sometimes would be a good way to put it. Uh, I think honestly, you know, with Smith being out an extended time with Harrison being out an extended time, this was a great opportunity for young guys to get those reps in those absences. Jamonte Jean Baptiste was out. So, like, the, there's been a good mix of you.
1: No, no I'm played. talking
0: like through the last couple weeks.
1: Oh, like yeah. Like, over yeah, the last yeah, couple yeah. weeks. Right, like,
0: so, they've gotten these yeah. opportunities, and now you're sort of creating depth by fire. And now these guys have legitimate game reps. So, when they come in, it's not new to them. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm very if we can take it a half a second away from this game, I'm very interested in Jack Sawyer and um and um JT Tuomalau, uh because they're so interesting as players. Like JT doesn't have a sack yet, but he's dominant. Like like, like he and I honestly see after watching it, I see exactly um, what the coaches were talking about of why JT was getting more snaps. Because like you like you I think you tweeted, Jack Sawyer is a more pure pass rusher, but he wasn't really defined like he wasn't really refined yet in the run game. And, and I don't think JT is fully refined yet in pass rushing, but he, he's dominant in the run game. And when you have other pass rushers like Tyreek, you have other pass rushers like Zach Harrison, things like that. You want that guy. It's more important to stop the run than it is to get sacks, which may sound stupid, but you don't see as many plays to yeah. get sacks. Right. Like the run is there all the time. But like jack like jack sawyer every time every time he's in the game i feel like he gets a pressure he gets a sack or he gets held like they cannot stop him and so just the thought of those two and kind of how they complement each other where i think we're going to see that a little bit more this season and definitely next season uh i know that's not really you know specifically about this game but i just wanted to know like do you see that do you have any thoughts on that uh, I think they, I think they have very unique styles that's going to be very nice at Ohio State for a very. Oh, long for time. sure. And think about this: like
0: Tyreek Williams is a freshman, J.T. Tuomela is a freshman, like Jack Sawyer is a freshman. Like this has like the makings to be one of the best defensive lines in Ohio State's history, because you've got three extremely yeah. talented individuals at three different positions that could all be on the field at the same time. Like that's horrifying. Yeah, and and it's not like yeah,
1: and Tyreek made.
0: It's not like when you had the Bosa's and then you had Sam Hubbard and you had to have chase young come in, you know, like these guys are all there at the same time.
1: Yeah. And they're adding more because they're trying to, you know, they're never going to stop recruiting that position. But I mean, um, I mean, Ty Lee came in, he didn't get a sack. He didn't get his devastating quarterback hit. but he had two really good plays back to back. The first one is just like, he's a young guy. He, and first of all, if you watch it in full speed, him coming up that rush, recognizing the screen, stopping his feet, shuffling, and then knocking down yeah. that pass—that those are the little things that I don't think people recognize. Like, and that's like football is full of little things, so it's not a negative. But do, like, I don't think people understand how hard no, that is
0: to do, especially when you're three hundred and ten um, pounds
1: at three hundred. Yeah, yeah, you're six three 315, and that's what you're doing, and then. I don't remember the other play. I don't remember if it was a run in the backfield, uh, if he stopped run in the backfield, or he just got pressure. I just know he had two back-to-back really good plays. And it's like, yeah, he's here. He's here. He's he's getting better every game. You're not always going to get sacked. You're not always going to get that hit on the quarterback. But he's showing a really well-rounded game. Um, and it's exciting to see. The We knew the offense was going to get there, right? And even – even when we talked about it, it's like this offense is the number one offense in the country and they've had bad games. Like fans are literally yelling, angry, wanting a new quarterback. For the first two games we didn't play clearly the best running back. Um like there's still some 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 learning issues with having four tackles, not playing a true guard, you're you know the number zero on the team, right? He's injured, so he's like the offense had some things that were going on. Chris Olave goes a game without a catch, and then another game he only had two catches. Like he and he had more drops and catches than catches in a two week span. Like the offense wasn't clicking, and they had the number one offense in the country. Now yeah. it's clicking. Now it's a buzzsaw, and the defense is. I'm I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm ready to say that they're good. They're not great. Don't, I don't need think they'll to ever be great. Be great. And Ohio State may just not have a great defense ever again, honestly. But, like, they're good. Yeah. I'm ready to say that there's they're good.
0: There's not a team in the country at this point that I think can slow down our offense. And if the defense can just show up and be okay, like, there's going to be a long, long opportunity for Ohio State to get this all done. Because I'm watching, like, the Iowa-Penn State game. Not a single one of those quarterbacks is going to test our defense.
1: No, not at all. I mean, Sean Clifford threw, has thrown two Kate interceptions, McNamara's, and this is he's not, not a, testing this defense. No, not even close. Not even close. Uh, Toluataga uh, to uh, Veloa is the best quarterback we're going to face, unless we face yeah, Bryce Young. And show. like,
0: I, I'll be honest, like Alabama fans have the same concerns about Bryce Young as we did for with Stroud. Like, there's some times where he just no yeah. shows, and it's
1: just because he's a young quarterback. It and happens. happens. It's, so it's, you know. Uh,
0: Maryland game, I mean, I just think, you know, this is three weeks in a row. Uh, I don't know if Maryland's going to be better than Rutgers. I think they're pretty much on the same level. They're just different teams. Uh, I think this is kind of where I want to go. How do you feel this, like, shows Ohio State moving forward? Like, I, I think this is three complete performances in a row with not increased, but, like, you know, all three of these. Like, Akron didn't provide a challenge. That was just a nice confidence game. Uh, Rutgers provided an interesting challenge with Shiano's defenses, and then Maryland with their offense provided a set of challenges. I think that back-to-back was like a really good identifier for what Ohio State can be.
1: No, 100%, especially when you include Tulsa, um, because that was really the beginning of the defensive change and seeing like... I'm very positive that Maryland has a better offense than Tulsa. Um, Maybe not statistically after the last two weeks, but just like quarterback conceptually players – better offense than Tulsa, and we shut them down. Um, Like you had mentioned, Rutgers was a test for the offense because of their defense. We saw that when the second-team offense came on there, they didn't move the ball. We talked about it. Ohio State's second-team offense was going to move the ball against Maryland, and they did. So that speaks to Rutgers having a pretty solid defense. Maryland has a really good offense, probably the second or third-best offense in the Big Ten, best offense that Ohio State's going to face in the Big Ten. Um, Shut that down. Akron is just one of those, you didn't play great against Tulsa, you need to dominate this opponent, and you need to not let their really good quarterback run all over the place, and they didn't, which is why these three games for, I think maybe earlier in the show I may have said three, but it's four straight pick sixes. Um, we've had, I believe, nine interceptions in four games. Um, we're increasing the sacks. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really everything that you want to see because the biggest thing with a bend-but-don't-break defense is you have to make plays. You have to get sacks. You have to get turnovers because otherwise your defense is just on the field all the time. Like the 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 point of the defense is you don't give up big plays and you make big plays to kind of swing it. Um, and so they're starting to do that, maybe not at the rate that we're used to. Um, but And let's get into it because I tweeted you about it. They're evolving. Um, And that third on that, when they were in the red zone and they didn't score a touchdown and I need to get this clip so I can tweet it. So people know what I'm talking about. They bracket, they played bracket coverage on third down in the red zone, which is what they didn't do against Tulsa. And if anyone's not, doesn't know a bracket bracket coverage or didn't listen to me, explain it once before bracket coverage is a way to play man coverage. When you have two wide receivers, or three wide receivers in a brunt, in a bunch, where instead of you playing, like I have number 10, you have number 11, I have number 12, instead you have an area. So if it's you have the inside or the outside, or if it's three receivers, one person has inside, outside, or middle, because the receivers are always going to go inside, outside, middle. So instead of having one guy, you have an area, and whichever wide receiver goes that way, that's your man. It stops you from getting picked. It stops rub routes. It stops stuff like that. So Penn State, I mean, I keep messing up names, but Maryland shifts down into a two-wide receiver, almost a stack alignment, and they literally run a route that is supposed to rub, but it doesn't rub because Ohio State, one guy had left, one guy had right the wide receivers crossed it meant absolutely nothing for the defense they took the guy that went the direction that they covered and nobody was open and that would have been a touchdown if you're playing regular man coverage because it was a good route and it would have been a rub route that was the entire concept and that's something we haven't seen from ohio state at all this year and maybe not for years um and we saw they got burned from that in tulsa so it's also they're learning from their mistakes. Yeah. They're learning from their weaknesses. If you find a weakness, it's not there the next week. And that's that's major. That is very yeah. big. And that's something
0: me. that we pointed out earlier in the year was, like, the issue in the Oregon game wasn't that, oh, I, like, CJ Everdale was a good running back. It was that they kept getting beat by the same thing over and over again. The issue with the Tulsa game was they kept getting beat by the same schemes over and over again. So now that we're not getting beat by those schemes, because I, I remember Brock Heward bringing up one play uh, where they ran like a little quick game to get outside and Brock Heward brought up how Zach Harrison in Oregon would have chased this. And then he ended up staying in the spot and Ta- of Vallejo was stuck. And he's like, I don't know what to do now because Zach Harrison's right there. So like there was tons of little adjustments that you saw throughout the game. And this is like, that's exactly what you want to do. And we talk about it. We've talked about it every single week. Keep laying bricks on top of the bricks you already built, and you're going to be a great defense at some point. And this defense is young, so everyone should be excited because this defense is getting a lot. And outside of, like, the defensive line, like, this is a really young defense everywhere else.
1: Yeah, I mean – the quote-unquote worst players on this defense, because everyone's playing better, the quote-unquote worst players on this defense are upperclassmen. Seven Banks made a couple of plays, but, like, overall he didn't have a great game. But, like, you didn't hear Denzel Burke's name at all today. And that's a great yeah. thing. The only time you want to hear a DB's name is when they make a tackle for a loss or an interception. Because any other time you hear their name, it's pass interference, it's holding, or they gave up a touchdown. You didn't hear Denzel Burke's name at all. Perfect game. Obviously, yes, you want an interception, whatever. You don't get those all the time. Perfect game for him. You forgot he was on the field. That's what you want from a good cornerback. Like you want to watch the game and forget he's on the field because they won't even throw the ball to him. So, I mean, Cameron uh, Brown. I think. I think one time it was Cameron Brown. The other time it was Seven Banks. We again, if you don't listen to Buck Off, we talked about it. One of the one of the things that we wanted to see was creative. Yeah. Pieces. It's okay. We've had we've had four weeks in this new offense. The only blitz you've shown is that double cross up the middle. We need to see something else. They brought that. They brought the corner three the times first time it
0: didn't. in one game.
1: Yeah. The, the first time, I don't remember what happened. The second time, it was a great play by Seven Banks. Um, I honestly don't remember the third time either. I just know that they called it multiple times to the short yeah. field. Like those are the kind of, but, but again, you can only call those if you trust the defense. And we're starting to
0: see that, which is huge. And, and like, this was a really good – like, it sucks because we saw Iowa make, like, them look terrible offensively. But for their first four weeks of their season, they were a really good offensive team. Like, Mike Foxley's a good offensive yeah. coach. Like, he wouldn't have got this job at Maryland if he wasn't a good offensive coach. So, it, yeah. it's just – these are the types of games you need to see because – like we've been saying this whole time, it is going to be a gauntlet down the stretch for Ohio State. It is not easy. Always. Like we're going to see Nebraska play Michigan tonight. We're going to see all these teams play each other. And Ohio State's going to get their best shot because everyone thinks Ohio State's vulnerable this year. And Ohio State's shown that they are beatable this year if you play them correctly. So it's really – going to come down to each week improving things adding wrinkles and then coming mm-hmm. into games with a game plan that is good and I, I know that sounds simple I put that the most simple words I could but like that wasn't what they were doing to start the season
1: no and and every single week we've, get, we've gotten on here right and every single week we could point to one thing that they did better some weeks it was more than one but if nothing else we could point to one thing that was better whether it was a player, whether it was a scheme, whether it was a blitz, there was one thing. And again, there were some weeks where it was more than one, but that's again, what you want to see from this defense. So really quickly, just some final stats before we start wrapping this up with some final analysis, our favorite moments, that kind of stuff. Um, CJ Stroud ended 24 of 33 for 406 yards, five touchdowns, uh, 73% uh, completion percentage. Just, Give him the Big Ten Rookie of the Week award. I, I I'm already I already tweeted it in response to um someone else at Land Grant. Just give him the quarterback of yeah. the year award for for the Big Ten. It's his um, Travion Henderson somehow miraculously got to 100 yards, 16 carries, 102 yards for two touchdowns, and it may not seem like a lot, but Travion Henderson really could be a 20 to 25 carry. And the way that he runs, that's an extra 50 to 60 for yards sure. minimum sometimes. Uh, so, like, four to four to four to to nine carries difference doesn't seem that big. But with a running back like him, it is. So, 16-102, two touchdowns. He had four catches, 67 yards, one touchdown. That's 20 total touches for him. That's a good number. Um, I think 20 total touches in a game for Henderson is a good yeah, number. Yeah, for sure. Three touchdowns, and, three touchdowns and 20 touches. I mean, what more can you want? Alave seven catches, 120 yards, two touchdowns. He's um, – I want to get back to that really, really quickly. And then uh, Tolua Togavaloa was 28 for 39, 270, 279 yards and two touchdowns. He had two late interceptions. His biggest issue – which is what happened with Iowa. He throws interceptions when he presses. Uh, but before that, he was having a really good game. So back back to Alave really quick, right? So seven, seven catches, 120 yards, two touchdowns. He now has 29 touchdowns in his career. The next record is 30, held by Devin Smith. And then the, the actual record is 34, held by... David Boston. Help me out here. Yes, David Boston. Uh, so he went two games without a touchdown. He's had four touchdowns in his last two games. Give us your prediction. What? When does he break this so, record? He needs five. He needs six to break. When does he break? So record?
0: I um, did an, like an article, an interview article with Hammer and Rail, the Purdue uh, SB Nation affiliate, and I, I my prediction was he probably breaks it against them. Uh, and I, I kind of think that it's, what, four games away until Ohio State plays Purdue, uh, even with the paces on. Because we know, like, receivers, sometimes they have big games, two touchdowns, three touchdowns. Sometimes they don't. Uh, but I honestly think it's going to be sooner than that now, I think, over the next three weeks. I mean, I, I think it'll probably be in the Penn State game. I think that would be my prediction. I, I know that's two games away, but I think – he either ties the record against Penn State or breaks the record against Penn State. Uh, that's six touchdowns in two games, but I, I think it's possible.
1: So I think I'm going to stick with the original. I think I'm going to stick with Purdue. Uh, I think he gets six touchdowns in four games. Um, I think he could easily put up two touchdowns against Indiana. Um, Penn State has a pretty solid defense, and surprisingly, Nebraska has a pretty solid yeah. defense. So I could see uh, also just He's putting just a it out big there. I have Nebraska beating Michigan. Yeah, he is, which means he could do them. But I I, I could see I, two in Indiana, one in Penn State, one in Nebraska, two in Purdue to break yeah. it. Uh, either way, where, wherever the number comes, I do think he breaks it in the first half of the Purdue. Yeah, game. I think Purdue.
0: I, I think I don't know where I came up with that at the beginning of the year, but I I think that's going to be it. Honestly, like I'm hoping he breaks I mean, it against Penn State because. That would be the most Chris Olave thing in his career, you know, just in the biggest. Yeah, have
1: four touchdowns against probably State. the biggest
0: game of the season up until the last one. Like that's exactly what he's been. But yeah, I think Purdue's probably the number. Uh, I think if we set it four games, very reasonable. Um, I mean, it would be
1: poetic I mean, if he
0: did it. Some players, but I don't think we will have a. Yeah,
1: I just think it's funny. I just want to point this out. There are players who don't have six touchdowns in a career. There are players who don't have six touchdowns in a season. And we're saying it's reasonable for Alavin to have six touchdowns in four That's like games. all he
0: does. Like he, I, just, he
1: just scores I, touchdowns. I, yeah. And I just think like sometimes it's hard to take a second and appreciate players. But like just think about that. We're casually on a podcast saying, yeah. Six touchdowns, four games, nothing. He might even get it in two. So uh Alave's special. Uh, I'm definitely going to miss having him. And I am very, you know, for multiple reasons, very upset about the pandemic shortened season. He'd already have the record. Because he would have broke this he would yeah, he would have broke this last year. This year would have just been putting it out of the out of reach. Uh he would have had I mean, if he wouldn't have had a pandemic shortened season barring injuries, he might have had fifty in yeah, his Yeah, that's career, scary. To think you about know what I'm saying? So it really is. Um, so just a little bit of a Chris Olave appreciation. Uh, it's funny. Ari Wasserman tweeted, um, when do we start having the conversation about Chris Olave as the best wide receiver in Ohio State history? And I tweeted back. I'm like, I've been having that conversation yeah, since I last year. Welcome quote. to the club. I like know. like me and you talked about it. And when we did our uh, QB, when we did our tears and got to the wide yeah. receivers, I, I love Chris Carter. I love Devin Smith. Devin Smith is underrated. Like, I don't. I don't even know if I, I wasn't here really much for David Boston, but like we've had some really good wide receivers, Michael Thomas. But like it's it's a yeah, lot. He, man. It is. He is just such a
0: pure receiver. Like he's the smoothest receiver I've ever seen. And you know he's not a yak guy. Like the only time he gets yak is when he gets past everybody.
1: He's got him better. Or when you throw him the ball on the yeah. sideline because he just refuses to yeah, step out. Yeah,
0: he uh he he's just so good at creating separation and getting open. That he doesn't need it. And half the half of his first touchdowns he just caught in the end zone. So he didn't have to get yards yeah. out of the catch. He's just scoring touchdowns. So yeah, I think I think the record it's gonna get broken. Uh so
1: it's it's all about when there's just there's no way it doesn't get broken. Uh, speaking of duos, because we talked about um we talked about JT and Jack Sawyer. I don't think we talk enough about the the duo and this year the trio. Of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they are perfect compliments. Yeah. Because Chris Olave, like Chris Olave has every catch when you need it. He's not a Yak guy, but he's always in the end zone. Garrett Wilson is the Yak guy, but Garrett Wilson also never just he never yeah. drops a pass. You it know, doesn't matter honestly. how difficult it is, he never drops it. Uh perfect compliment is and, and ja- <laughs> Jackson Smith and Jigba is like like the three of them together. It's just, like, everything you could want from the wide well, receiver position. It's,
0: it's funny uh, because, like, you look at Chris Olave, and he's got this very specific skill set. You look at Garrett Wilson, and he's a very, like, specific skill set. Then you look at Jackson Smith and Jigba and he's kind of like a mix of both of them.
1: Yeah. Honestly, like, I'm not going to say it because Chris Olave is special, but, like, with how much he's playing early, is this his true freshman Jack, year? No,
0: it's his second year.
1: That's what I thought. So he'll probably leave next year if he's smart. But if he stays for three years, he could he might break Chris Olave's record, especially when he's the number one yeah. guy. I mean, he up until Chris Olave's last touchdown, he was leading the league. He was leading the team and and uh, yards for the game. He was the first one to break a hundred. And you have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and for two for multiple games, your leading receivers Jackson Smith and Jigba like there's just so many things that you can't talk about. So and, and he'll be here for at least another year so we we're not going to give him his swan song yeah. just yet. He he's going to he he's going to have some time for it. Um but player of the game obviously it's CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud. No question. So l- let's talk favorite moments. Um do you have any favorite moments? Uh,
0: I think uh the strip sack. I, I believe it was Jack Sawyer. That was money. That was one of my favorite moments. And then that Olave touchdown uh, where the ball just kind of like disappeared for a second and then it was in his hands. Yeah, that's another week. Uh, one of my favorite plays is the Ronnie Hickman one where the ball just kind of disappeared. It's like magic tricks, honestly. And all of a sudden we're scoring touchdowns with him. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, there's a slow motion video. Uh, you know, C.J. Stroud threw a uh, pass. Oh, no, this is my favorite moment, timeout. Garrett Wilson absolutely cooking that corner. That was my <laughs> on favorite the, moment on the twenty,
1: the twenty-six yard touchdown, oh, on that
0: little fade route. Like he just absolutely cooked yeah. the guy. Uh,
1: yeah, no, that was just like that is unfair. Like, he
0: was already five yards behind him by the time the guy realized he got faked out.
1: Yeah, he was five yards behind him. But it felt like before uh, C.J. Stroud had the ball in his hands, like he was oh he was literally open before C.J. Stroud got the ball that in was his looking, hands. Out of That's doubt, ridiculous. like it's like.
0: You know, as a receiver, you always, like, mess around and you do these, like, little moves and stuff. And, like, half the time they never work. But when they work and they absolutely embarrass someone, it is one of the most elegant-looking things. And it's just the way he jumps. Like, you know, I was talking about yeah. that mesh route where they have the slow-motion video of him jumping and catching the ball. It's just so, like, it's how the position should look. Like, he plays receiver the way it should, like, visually look. Yeah.
1: So I, I, I don't think we, people have talked about it. So here, buck off like, let's get it out there. Everyone calls Chris Olave smooth, and he is. Garrett Wilson Garrett Wilson is yeah, graceful.
0: That's it. That's the word. You got smooth and graceful. Like that's like
1: like he's great. Like everything he does, like it's not always as smooth, but it's just graceful. Like when he's in the air, it just looks like he's floating, slow motion, just it's everything's beautiful, all of his catches, like there's like he makes the routine just look like awe inspiring like like we have smooth and we have graceful. Yeah. Um so I think my favorite moments we already talked about one again no one except people like us or like really heavy defensive guys are gonna care about it. But the Steel Chambers oh. play, uh as the president as the self-proclaimed president of the Steel Chambers committee, uh you know I, I need those so I can I can you know talk to people about him. Um you already I think you already yeah, you already mentioned it, but I just want to talk about it just a little bit. The Chris Alave post touchdown. First of all, I wanted it for Garrett Wilson, but with Olave and Wilson putting them on a post route against the safety is it's it's criminal. Um and so Especially when you do all the was, window dressing but, before it. Yeah, there was two fakes. Like, we talked about it again on Buckoff. We talked about it, and we said we wanted to see some another creative play on offense, just like we had with um, the Mitch Rossi touchdown, something that's new, something we didn't see. So, Ohio State had two games where they where they were running that jet motion, where they handed off the ball, the pop pass. They didn't hand it off at all this year, this this game, but since it was on tape, they run them across, fake it to them, get half the defense going that way, turn his back. Fake it to uh, Henderson. Get the other half of the defense going that way. Nope, it's a pass. Chris Olave on a safety. Like, and Chris Olave was on the safety before the safety realizes yeah. it's a pass. Like you can see, like you can't see his eyes. I wish there was another camera, but like there's probably a fan who was just recording at that moment that has his eyes and just you can see his eyes getting big. And then Chris Olave's passed him. perfect, f- perfect placement, perfect route, perfect play call, perfect design, perfect pass. Easiest touchdown Olave scored in a while yeah everything was beautiful um and then i think the other one just because eventually unfortunately knock on wood we're gonna have a game where we don't have one but for now uh the pick six especially because ryan watts i think it was second interception in two games um and there, i don't know just why differences
0: he's not playing six. over cam brown and seven banks honestly like i get like I th- I, still, like, I get like wanting to give the senior guy some love, but like he's just been so good every time he's been on the field.
1: Yeah, I think Brown is still the guy, but I would put him over seven. Like, every time
0: he's on the field, he makes a play. Like we saw it in the Minnesota game. Yeah. then he didn't play for like two games. Comes back, starts getting picks again. Like I, this dude just makes plays.
1: Yep. And I wonder if maybe it's a practice thing or like an injury thing. Who knows? Moving him around
0: positionally, too. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah, trying to figure out. Yep.
1: I think that could be it, too. And I want to clarify this is not, I'm I'm using names, but this is not talking bad on anyone. There are different types of interceptions, right? Um, Denzel Burke, who's my favorite player on this defense, maybe it's Tyreek Williams now, who knows. But like Denzel Burke's interception return for a touchdown was handed to him right ronnie hickman he didn't even know the ball was there you watch the play he's going for a tackle looks down the balls in his hands he runs for a touchdown ryan watts forced that interception he played it well he broke on the ball like and all interceptions are interceptions but some are luck some are credited to technique and i think this one in particular was really credited to technique him being in the right spot and him taking the ball away from somebody versus the ball kind of just landing in him but again that is not a negative to anyone. I love all the interceptions. Yeah, and then just one more
0: favorite play: Craig Young's pick six. That dude's a freak. That guy is an athlete in yeah. every sense of the word. That guy was so fast.
1: Yeah, it's just like, come on now. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm. He's not fair. I'm on the. I'm on the Craig Young should be a linebacker. He should here. be playing more. That's uh, all I need. Team. I don't even
0: care what position. But, uh, he just needs to be out there.
1: I was just about to. I was just about to say, I figured it out. But he has been. He's been, like, I mean, there have been there have been snaps when he's playing up at the end, at line of scrimmage, playing cover safety. Like, they're getting him on the field. It's not as consistent sometimes as we want, but they know. They know he's someone that needs yeah, to the Yeah, for sure. But like, yeah,
0: I mean, and this whole game a... was my favorite play, so.
1: <laughs> the whole game was my. I mean, when you go eight drives, eight touchdowns. I mean, and then your and then your backups put up a, a field goal and a pick six. That's what you love to see. So that's perfect. All right. So I, as we wrap up, and um, with some injuries, Cam Brown took a knee to the head. I don't think he played the rest yeah, of the game, not. which is why we saw a lot of seven. Um, I don't like to uh, guess on injuries, but it looked like a concussion, uh, knee to the head.
0: Yeah, that's, those be- are like. So Those are, like, the things. scariest plays because, like, when you see a knee go up yeah. like that and catch the side of the helmet because helmets are made to take, like, contact from the front, you know. They're right. not made for that. And you just saw, it. like, the way he landed and the way his body went, it just kind of, like, makes you really nervous for the kids in that si- situation.
1: 100%. So, wishing, wishing the best for him. Hope everything's okay. Um, and then Haskell Garrett went down with uh, seemingly some sort of leg injury, uh, people who are watching the game it seemed like he came out of the tent pretty yeah. soon um, didn't get didn't get carted off didn't go to the locker room that doesn't mean it's not a big injury still something to um, watch for but man. a lot of times yeah a lot of times when it's serious they don't keep him on the sidelines. so uh, it's at least something that hopefully you can take as a positive um especially with the bye week you know hopefully it's something where he doesn't have to miss games i think those were all the injuries that i saw um so that's injuries, no suspensions, no targeting, anything like that. And so now we are on a bye week. Um, there will be no instant recap next week, but there will still be buck off. Not exactly sure what we're going to do. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun. Leave that up to – yeah, that's all I know. Some, some kind of fun. And then the next game is going to be at uh, against Indiana. I was going to say at Indiana, but I'm not sure about that. Uh, It's against Indiana on the 23rd. There is not a time yet. Um, Probably going to be a noon game because Indiana's not good. Or if we look at the Akron game, it's going to be a night game because they hate us. So (laughs) um, we're going to get a little bit of a break from the Buckeyes, give them a chance to to heal up, give them a chance to do some self-scouting, figure out who works and really – Really get ready for this this tough yeah. stretch. Yeah, and a late um,
0: bye week. That's actually like – this feels like the latest bye week they've had in a while, so I kind of like where it's at.
1: I prefer it. I think it's perfect. You have six games. Take a bye week, six games left. Uh, this last stretch is going to be interesting. Michigan State looks like a dog. Transitive properties. Michigan State's the second-best team in the Big Ten because they beat Rutgers and, and, and Michigan barely survives. So, um,
0: yeah, I do think – Hey. I do think Sparty's better than the Wolverines right now. That's a little biased talking. I that yeah. Homer homerism there, but
1: Kev hey. Walker's a dangerous okay. man. Hey. He, he is. He is. And um, Penn State, as we wrap up, is moving the ball all over this Iowa defense. So interesting that's interesting I was still was still has two turnovers but it's interesting so uh, we're, we're gonna wrap up there thank you as always for coming and listening to our instant recap we enjoy doing it um, we enjoy you watching the game and then coming to listen to us or not being able to catch the game and trusting us to give you a good enough recap uh, so you kind of know what's going on even if you missed the game uh, as, as as mentioned we won't be here next week but we'll be back on the 23rd and uh, it was a good win. Good day for the Buckeyes. Gonna finish the day, watch some football. Go, Go Bucks!